As featured in the November 2023 issue of Men's Health magazine, To Catch a Con Man is the very intimate and detailed true story of exposing one of the most prolific and successful serial con men to operate in the Midwest. A career con man who was able to get away with scamming and stealing in and around the suburbs of Chicago for more than 40 years. What's even more interesting is that he had never been arrested in Illinois for running his scams, some that date as far back as the 1980s. If there is a living devil and evil on this earth, it is him. To Catch a Con Man is brought to you by Studio 847 in Long Grove, Illinois. Could a hundred grand sustain my life? It couldn't even come close. So, so listen to me. If I was going to be in some sort of a con, scam, conniving thing, it'd be for millions. It wouldn't be for $100,000. Listener discretion is advised, as some of this programming contains language and content that might be offensive to some listeners. On the previous episode of To Catch a Con Man, The Salvo, Adam brings the culmination of information from his investigation and starts the conversation with the Lake County State's Attorney's Office. He reads a very raw and emotional letter to this team with the hope of grabbing their attention. Has he done enough? On this episode, Adam takes you back to Thursday, March 22nd, a day that he will never forget. Dugo makes his play and plants a seed. You will live each and every moment of the deal, hearing the inside details of the opportunity presented. This is The Lone Wolf. Join me on this adventure to catch a con man. This is Adam Albin. It's 10.15 a.m. on June 7th, 2018. I have just lobbed my opening salvo and read aloud a very personal letter that was written for Detective Bill Bang. The butterflies in my stomach have now since subsided. The nervous anxiety I felt just a few minutes ago has calmed. I am feeling optimistic and hopeful that I have captured both Bill's and Fred's attention. I recall Fred looking at Bill and raising his eyebrows, looking captivated as he wanted to hear more. Before I can get too excited, Detective Bill asked me to explain the deal Dugo had promised to me and to provide the details of these transactions, as he wanted to really dive into my story. It went something like this, but I will be adding some color, detail, and personal thoughts that are required now so that you get the entire picture. The first thing you need to know is that I am a very patterned person. For over 10 years, my daily routine was very regimented. I would wake up around 7 a.m., jump in the shower, and get dressed for the day. After getting dressed, I would come downstairs and jump online and log into work. I always started the day at home for two reasons. The first was that we needed to wait for our daughter to get picked up by the bus and head to school. For those that live in the congested suburban areas may understand the second reason. By delaying the commute into your office and starting that same trek about 8.30 a.m. or after, you could easily get into the office in about half the time. Leaving at 7.30 wasn't going to work for me and my busy life where I had no time to spare. 
depending on traffic, construction, and weather. That drive could easily take you an hour or more to go 12 miles. Three days a week I was working from home, and on the other two days, I would head into my office in Lincolnshire. Back in 2007, I decided I wanted to join a big box gym. There was a new gym that had opened in Libertyville, Illinois, which was almost exactly halfway by time, not mileage, between where I lived and where I worked. Ah, Export Fitness, back in its heyday, was quite a modern marvel and a hell of a value of a fitness center. It was large and open and felt airy. They had state-of-the-art fitness equipment, rows of treadmills and elliptical machines, a few stair-steppers, a pool, a sauna, and a steam room. It also happened to be a very good deal. Their membership fees were some of the most competitive in the area at the time. I wasn't new to fitness or to going to a gym, but I was looking to jumpstart my fitness journey, and export seemed like a good place to commence that quest. I have always had a very liberal work schedule. My career and success have afforded me flexibility. Being an inside seller, with most of my work coming in via email and phone calls, I didn't have to spend a lot of wasted windshield time driving to and from my customers. I could bust out for an hour or more at least four out of the five days a week and still take care of my clients. My work actually never suffered. In fact, I think taking a break and going to the gym and getting those workouts in made me feel better and a more effective seller. I would come home refreshed and focused, having a sense of accomplishment for actually completing the workout and letting some of life's stress go. It was a win-win for me. I would eat the same breakfast and the same lunch every single day, starting out eating a banana around 9 a.m., Then around 10 a.m., I would have Greek yogurt uh, with about a quarter cup of brown sugar with some raspberries. After my workout, I would indulge in a gluten-free protein bar that tasted like a whatchamacallit candy bar. I was regimented, keeping to a very strict daytime diet and a very stringent workout schedule. In my experience, in order to see results and be able to maintain the muscle mass... I simply had to follow this rigid system, and it was something that became involuntary and automatic. I worked out nearly every workday in the 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. time frame. It was recurrent and nearly identical for over 12 years. When I started to see Dugo at the gym around 2009-ish, Rick was the king of half-assing his workouts. He was working out with an old buddy at the same time I was attending the gym. Day in, day out, my paths crossed with Rick's. I really never thought twice about him. You see, there are those that go to the gym and seek some form of social interaction while just taking up space and getting in others' way. That was Ricky Dugo. 
He always had a workout partner or crew of partners to take up space with him. Maybe he was just lonely in life, and that was his way of having a platform to tell his outrageous stories and to pump up his own ego by living his lies. He was boisterous and loud, almost like a dramatic actor that was trying to get everyone's attention. I gave him space and didn't feed his ego all that often. I was there to work, get in, get out, get on with my day. I was the exact opposite. I was, and still am, a quintessential lone wolf at the gym. I honestly wasn't a huge fan of having a workout partner most of the time. I mean, sure, it's nice every once in a while to have someone there to motivate you and to help you get that last rep in. I have been known to enjoy working out with my wife and my two kids, but that isn't something that is sustainable in my version of working out. I am there for a purpose. I don't have the time nor patience to putz around. I really don't need anyone at this point in my life advising me on what sort of exercise we should be doing next. Regimented. Stringent. That is my style. Now, that doesn't mean that I was antisocial at the gym. No, 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 not at all. I have met some of my favorite people at Export Fitness. If you, like me, go at the same time every day, you will see many others that are similar and like-minded and regimented. In the 30 seconds I would take between sets, I may pop over and say hello to my buddy Tom, whom I call the mayor. Every gym has a mayor, someone that everyone knows and loves and has all of the deets on so many fitness members at that gym. They are there to work out and make good friends. Their workouts merely take longer to complete, and that's perfectly okay, as that is what works for them. I love being a lone wolf, putting on my headphones and losing track of time and space and finding my solace while getting stronger. I can get into my own headspace and think and decompress as I let the stressors of the world around me fade into nothingness. It is just a personal preference, and for me, it has been a process that has worked for almost two decades. Being so patterned in regards to my weekday regimen, going back to 2018, I could count on one hand how many times I strayed from my lunchtime workouts. Lunchtime at export was semi-geriatric, mostly retirees and a few middle-aged folks that are doing the same thing as me trying to divide and conquer and squeeze our workouts in to our very busy lives. On March 22, 2018, I was set to work out at lunchtime, but a last-minute customer conference call popped up in my calendar. I was working from my office in Lincolnshire and had started walking to my car at 11.35 when I saw a calendar invite for noon. It was a call I couldn't miss, 
And in my business, I always put my clients' needs first. I attribute my success to being fully accountable, present, and responsive to each of my customers' requests. So I turned around and walked back to my desk and put the client ahead of working out. I looked at my after-work schedule, and I had an opening about 5.30 to 7 p.m., where I may be able to pop over and get a back day workout in. Dinner could wait. I hit up my wife and let her know I was pivoting to an evening workout, which again was something completely out of the norm for me. Export became a zoo after 5 p.m., a wave of after-work folks trying to get in their workout before they went home and or to avoid rush hour traffic. Export in the early evening was always exploding with people. Once the high schoolers were set free from their day at school, they all seemed to grab their stinky gym bags and their shaker bottles and zoom over to export to also work out. Oh, how I loathed the young kids at the gym. And by young kids, I am talking about the teenagers. I swear, between 5 and 7 p.m., they multiplied like gremlins. They worked out in large packs of 5 to 8 in a group. They hogged the essential benches and machines for what seemed like hours at a time. They took up way too much space and loitered around all of the equipment that I wanted to use. After 5 p.m., the gym started to smell like stinky, sweaty socks and onion-like B.O. Mixed with the sweet smell of C4 Berry Bomb pre-workout drinks. It was like every kid was shaking and mixing some concoction of pre-workout powder that contained large amounts of caffeine and chemical compositions that were going to help them get swole. Anything to gain that edge, right? It was not the ideal place at the ideal time for anyone super serious about fitness. It was like an adolescent nightclub with the stench of spoiled milk. And I just fucking hated attending the gym after 5 p.m. But on March 22nd, 2018, I was going to man up and deal with the stupidity and try to rip out an hour of back exercises. Get in get out, get on with my fucking life. That was the idea in theory. I pulled into the parking lot about 5.30. The sun was starting its descent and the sky was this beautiful color of blue and red and pink and orange. Export fitness is literally thumping right now. 
The sound of new age Tiesto-like electronica being pumped through the outdoor speakers. I suck it up and scan my export ID and head back to the locker room. It's a fucking madhouse. But I get changed and lock up my gym bag. I head out to the packed back free weight section and start to warm up. Finding a two foot by two foot area to call my home for the warm up, to say the least, was challenging. All of the youngsters just taking up space. The workout is slow to progress, but I eventually score one of the seated row machine spots that is connected to the large complex of cable machines. It's the farthest seated row in the gym, closest to the men's locker room. I start my first set of seated rows. I am in a groove, not paying much attention at all to anything other than my form and getting through it. I haven't really recognized anyone that's working out here today. And honestly, I could have cared less at the time as I just needed to power through it as I'm getting hangry and I turn into a bear of a man when I'm hungry. I tell people I have hypoglycemia, even though I most likely do not, just as an excuse for when I get this way. And I'm getting this way now. I am mid-rep when I happen to notice Ricky Dugo is walking towards me. I hadn't noticed he was working out about 100 feet away with one of his sketchy police officer friends, who was one of those cops that palled around with Dugo and seemed like a Dugo wannabe. Knowing what I know now, I can only estimate that this particular North Suburban cop knew that Dugo is a scammer. I can't state the name on this podcast for fear of being sued, but if I had to guess, I would say he turned a blind eye. Dugo makes a beeline right to me. I pause my headphones and place them around my neck. He says, what's up, Big Adam? And I let him know that I was just trying to get in and get my workout done and that this wasn't my normal time, and that I was frustrated that there were so many people hogging the machines I wanted to use. He says, I get it. And without skipping a beat, he says, Hey, I wanted to let you in on an opportunity, you know, since we are friends. One of my best friends and the godfather to my kid is the general manager over at uh, Apt Electronics and Appliances. You know App, right? I said, of course I know Apt. Apt Electronics and Appliances is one of the biggest and best places in the country to find the latest and greatest high-end appliances and electronics. If you live anywhere close to Illinois, you know Apt. Rick goes on to say, well, my buddy the GM opens up the warehouse for me once a year, and I can get you deals on TVs, electronics, and appliances. Like, deals you will never have the opportunity to get. I have this other buddy that opens sports bars in the city, and once a year he buys 80, 
86 inch TVs for me. And I place the order and I deliver them to the city five days later and I make $150,000 off it. I have done this successfully five years in a row. And this year I have some room on who I can extend it to. And since you're a successful and smart guy, Adam, I mean, you seem pretty intelligent. I thought you may want to go in with me and my friends in case you needed anything that they sell. You may want like 15 Sub-Zero refrigerators. I can get them. Basically, I can get you 100 of any single model number. I stop him and say, thanks, Rick, but I really do not need 15 Sub-Zero refrigerators. I am good. Rick presses further with quick retorts. No, no, no big, Adam. Uh, That was just an example. I have access to everything and anything that they sell. I get 70% off of list price. It's a once a year deal. So if you miss the ordering window, which is this Sunday, I can't help you out until this time next year. uh, If and when he opens the warehouse and catalog up to me again. So like if you need TVs or a dishwasher or a washer and dryer, computers or Apple iPhones, you let me know. In my head, I am thinking, holy fucking random conversation. I mean, who the fuck is this guy? And man, that GM at Apt seems like some kind of friend. I press him and ask if this is legal and on the up and up. He replied, oh yeah, I have a few cops that go in on the, the deal each and every year. I hook them up and it's never been an issue. Dugo points over to his buddy that he was working out with, who I know to be a suburban police officer. He goes on, it's guaranteed, and once you place your order, you get your goods from me in three to five days, uh, with some inclusions uh, and exclusions, like if you order huge quantities of like Viking custom appliances and things like that, that are more on that high end. Uh, um, but yeah, five years uh, I have, uh, for five years, I've been making like $150,000 for three days of work. I hit the city, I go to my buddy's office, and he opens this safe, man. And he literally pays me $300,000 in stacks of $100 bills. Giant stacks, like you've never seen before. He is motioning to me that he is opening the door to a safe. I am like, I'm not getting this, man. How do you make $150,000 by selling 80 TVs? Slick Rick always is thinking on his feet and retorts, the TVs are these super high-end Samsung 86-inch 4K TVs. They retail for like $6,000 each, and I buy them for like 2000 And then I sell them at a 30% discount to my buddy, so he's getting a steal on them. The bar owner is buying a $6,000 TV for like 3800 bucks or so, Adam. You know, Adam, like times 80 TVs, it's like 144000 in profit in my pocket. No bullshit. I look at him kind of bewildered, almost envious that he has a friend like that. But I am still not getting it. I mean, I get the math that he's throwing out. But I am just not getting what the hell is happening right now. He was talking like a mile a minute. But he went on to say, Adam, 
Uh, you've seen my 46-foot cigarette boat, right? Uh, I've showed you my uh, picture of the offshore boat, yeah? Uh, well, you know me and that I like nice things. And boats are really my thing. And they are super expensive to maintain. I run them so hard, I have to rebuild the two 1,500-horsepower motors every year. And that's like $50,000 each. So I use this opportunity to pay for my boat and the maintenance for when the shit breaks. And let me tell you, Adam, shit is always breaking. I let him finish. And yes, I have seen the picture of that boat he was talking about. In fact, I had, up until that point, been shown a picture once on another occasion when Rick was bragging about how much it cost and how fast it was. And then a second time... About a month later at the office, when my coworker said, hey, you got to see this, my new neighbor moved into the house on my block, and the dude pulls up in this. And my coworker flashes his phone at me, and it's a white F-350 Dually pulling a gigantic 46-foot cigarette racing boat, and it's literally parked in front of my coworker's house. Remember... This was the day he moved into Faraz's house in Greg's Landing, where Rick and his family were living under the identity of Jeff Klein from downstate Illinois. I knew of this boat. I had seen pictures now twice. So yes, I knew that playing with cigarette boats was Rick's favorite pastime and hobby. I thought about it for maybe a second and said, Yeah, Rick, uh, thanks, but I'm good. I mean, it sounds like an amazing opportunity and all, but I am just not in a position, nor do I have the need for 100 refrigerators. And I started to laugh a little. He said, no problem. Being that we were friends, he just wanted to give me a chance to cash in and make some money. His random pitch happened in all of like three minutes. But I really just wanted to finish the workout to get home and then eat. But there was this part of me that was hanging on to something he said was available. Wait, did he just say iPhones? more about me. Let's go back to 2016 and 2017. I have always loved to buy and sell things on the side. Some of you also may have what you call a side hustle. In 2016 and 2017, Facebook Marketplace was kind of just blowing up, and I enjoyed using the platform for quick and local transactions large in part because it was free to use. Being in technology sales and a real lover of iPhones and iPads, I started a side hustle where I would buy one generation old iPhones and iPads online. I would scour the marketplace pages to find decent local deals and quickly buy units that were underpriced or locked to a carrier 
where people were upgrading to newer iPhone 7s and iPhone 8s. One of the best iPhones back in 2016-2017 was the Apple iPhone 6 and 6S as they came from the factory with dual antennas, meaning if unlocked, they could be used on any U.S.-based carrier by merely dropping your current SIM card in. Genius. I was buying and selling about 50 to 100 phones and iPads a year and then cleaning them and refurbishing them and selling them at a profit of 20 to $40 each. Most of my online Facebook friends and family knew I could always get them an older iPhone at a good price and in good condition. I wasn't going to retire off of selling these Apple devices, but it was a fun little side hustle while it lasted. After I got home that night and ate, I don't remember thinking much about Ricky Dugo's special limited time opportunity. The next day, March 23rd, 2018, I happened to be working from home that day and I was logged into my computer reading some emails. Around 10 a.m., my cell phone rings and the name Rick Dugo and Car Waj pop up on the screen. At some point shortly after I met Dugo, maybe 2011-ish, we swapped phone numbers and apparently I made a typo as that should have been input as Car Wash. To this day, I still have it listed as WOG instead of WASH. On this call, Rick is asking me if I had thought any more about his opportunity, which seems weird. I told him I had not and frankly needed to understand more about how the deal works and how it was done. He goes on to explain that he is being completely transparent he has a connection at Apt and once a year buys 80 large screen TVs for 30% of the value and resells them to a sports bar owner in the city. He goes on to say that his connections are the godparents to his kids and he has successfully done this for five years without any issues. Whatever you order, TVs, appliances, iPhones, he promises a five to seven day turnaround. His connections to APT are also connections to the Glenview Police Department, who are also his friends that are going in on this deal. He keeps going back and positioning Apple iPhones. And in the back of my mind, as I am looking at the iPhone 7 in my hand, I am thinking, well, it would be nice to get an upgraded iPhone 10. 256 gig for like 70% off. And since my wife and kids were all due for iPhone upgrades, I said if he had room for five Apple iPhone 10s, I could do a starter deal there. And if it went well, maybe next year I would be willing to go in on a bigger deal. You know, I kind of felt pressured and I just wanted to get my feet wet, so to speak. Plus, that limited time loss aversion theory kicked in and reared its ugly head. He says, great, man, no problem. And just so you know, next year wasn't a guarantee. He said he was at the mercy of his buddy, the GM. Rick promised that once he had the money, he would be placing the larger order with everyone's wish list within two days. 
Rick reminds me once again before we hang up that he has limited space on the deal, but he can get me up to 30 Apple iPhone 10 256 gig in random colors for $320 per device. He says he has one buddy that's buying 30 units and then another buddy is taking 40. I tell him I would commit to five units, one for each member of my immediate family and then a fifth for my ma, as I wanted to surprise her and upgrade her archaic Nokia phone. Rick tells me it is cash up front only and to meet him Saturday at export for the first transaction. When it comes to taking your money, Ricky Dugo is always available in a moment's notice. On Saturday, March 24th at 12.28 p.m., he sends me a text. Is 1 p.m. still good for you? Just trying to plan my day. I state that I will be heading that way now, and he says, okay, I will be there by 1. I pull in at 12.57 p.m. and text Rick that I am there. He says he is parked in the first row, first spot, and comes out of his gray Mercedes S550. I give him a white envelope containing $1,600 cash, all in $100 bills. He is a chatty Kathy and asks me if my car is in Mercedes AMG as he loves the red brake calipers. I reply, yes, that's my unicorn a super rare Mercedes grocery getting station wagon. He says, nice and expensive, I bet she flies. I reply that it is one of the fastest stock production cars in the market, Lamborghini fast. He grabs the envelope and says thanks and confirms he will be placing the order within 48 hours. As I am walking away, he reiterates that he can get me up to 30 iPhone 10 256 gig phones if I am interested in expanding the deal. Man, I am having a really hard time here. I do some quick math and I call a buddy of mine that has helped me wholesale phones and iPads in the past. I just can't stop thinking of the remaining 25 phones. 25 iPhones at 320 bucks cost each. They retail for $999. I could easily wholesale these for $600 each and make a quick $7,000 profit. And that was on the low end and allowing a wholesaler about a $5,000 profit. Fuck. I am torn. 25 more phones is an outlay of $8,000. That's about half the rainy day fund I was saving. I just don't know. At 1.15, I texted Ricky Dugo and asked if there was room for another five iPhones. Rick texts back that he can do up to 30, so an extra five will be easy. Just try to let him know before tomorrow afternoon if I can. If I want the extra phones, just let him know and I could get him the cash on Monday. At 4.42, I responded to Rick that I will commit to 30 iPhones. I had already paid for five. It's an $8,000 balance. I tell him I will get him the money by Tuesday at the latest. 
Rick says no problem. Monday or Tuesday is fine. On Monday, March 26, 2018, we set up a meeting for me to drop off more cash. Rick says he is in the area and can meet anywhere. We decide on Costco in Meadowood. On text, I wrote, plan on 120. I will be coming from Northbrook. Can you get to Costco? It's going to be the $8,000 balance. $1,600 already paid in full. Gets you $9,600 cash for 30 256 gig Apple iPhone 10s. Just like to have everything detailed. Three to five days to receive. Rick responds, I can be at Costco on 60 at the highway at 1.20 p.m. And yes, the rest is correct. We meet in the northwest part of the Costco parking lot, and again, Rick is driving the gray Mercedes S550. I hand Rick a manila envelope with $8,000 cash. He can tell that I'm nervous, and he states, Brother, you have nothing to worry about. I have done this for the last five years. We are good. I remember that it was like a minute or two we were standing in between our two cars, making small talk and him confirming he has my order in. The total he has been given now is $9,600 cash for 30 256 gig iPhone 10s. Later in the day, I am back in my office that is in Lincolnshire, and at around 3.15, my cell phone rings. And the name flashes once again, Ricky Dugo. I thought for a minute that he was calling me to tell me he already had the 30 phones. And before I answered in that split second, I felt excited. But that wasn't why he was calling me. He says, hey man, I have an issue. My buddy that committed to buying 40 iPhones had to bail out. Dugo tells me that all of most of his own money the $160,000 he was using to place that large 80-unit TV deal is tied up. And since I was his friend, he wanted to give me first rights to purchase the extra 40 iPhones. He pivots and says he can now get me all 100. He doesn't need five, and the other buddy that ordered 30 was having financial issues. So if I could get him the money... I could buy the entire lot. Now, mind you, I don't have $32,000 in cash to front for 100 iPhones. I explained that I don't have the kind of cash laying around, and I was going to have to respectfully decline on adding 40 iPhones to my specific order. He says, buddy, I get it, but I'm in a real bind here, at least for these extra 40. I am totally committed in the entire deal for not just your phones, but my TVs and my other buddies' appliances could now be in jeopardy. Tell you what, what if you go in with me, if you could get me like 7300 bucks, and I will put in $5,500 of my own money to secure the deal, and you can just pay me back after you receive and sell the iPhones. I am thinking, holy shit, that escalated quickly and I'm super apprehensive. I felt like he backed me into a corner. He pushes me and says, let's get you another 40 phones. 
$7,300 of your money, $5,500 of his money is $12,800 for 40 phones. He says, if you need a day or two to get me the money, buddy, no worries. I just need it soon. This would bring my order to 70 total iPhone 10 256 gig units in various colors. I tell him I need a minute to think. In the 30 minutes between his call and my response, my mind was scattered in a million different directions. Sure, 70 iPhone 10s would give me quite a payday. I would keep five and sell 65 at a wholesale price of $600. The math was getting bigger, as was my exposure and risk. But I stood to make a $18,200 profit on a $16,900 cash total outlay. Well, looking at those numbers, and they were pretty conservative numbers, I just couldn't pass on it. I wasn't super cash rich. I knew that this would completely drain and deplete my rainy day apocalypse end of the world stash I had saved since I was out of college. I would be entrusting Dugo with most of my funny money, but between the potential windfall profit and then the fear of the deal completely collapsing in general, the only move I could make was going all in. So that is what I did. So at 3.56 p.m. Monday, March 26th, I text Rick, Are you sure you can get the other 40? If so, with your help, I would be in. I could have the money to you tomorrow morning. If you can get the other 40 and with your help, I am good. Pay you back a couple days after I get them. Work for you. Rick is snappy fast on his replies. Yes, I am sure about the other 40. I have no problem with you paying me back after you get paid back on your end. Text me when you want to meet tomorrow. He gives me his address. Unbeknownst to me, it's Faraz's house that he was being evicted from for not paying rent. 1674 Lock Lane, Vernon Hills. He texts me that he can meet me there later tonight at his house. Around 7 p.m., he then sends me another text saying he is at Uncle Julio's in Vernon Hills, having dinner with his wife. I have the 7300 in cash. Dugo texts me to meet him in the parking lot. At 8.27 p.m., I text him to let him know I am pulling into the Uncle Julio's parking lot. He walks out of Uncle Julio's and gladly takes the $7,300 in cash I had in the white envelope. I am now in this deal for $16,900 in cash for a promise of 70 Apple iPhone 10 256 gig units. I am fucking freaking out as I have given Dugo nearly every dime I had. And if this doesn't turn out, and if he gets delayed in getting my goods, there is going to be a chance I will encounter some financial issues. The money I gave him was my safety net of sorts. In the afternoon, Tuesday, March 27, 2018, at 3.49 p.m., I text Rick asking if the order was placed. Rick responds, 
Yes, sir. All set, buddy. In reference to the 70 iPhone 10s being on order. Around noon, March 28th, 2018, Wednesday, at 1216, I get a text from Rick. Hey, buddy, give me a call when you have a minute. Then a few minutes later, he called and was frantic that he needed to come up with $2,500. He is huffing and puffing, saying somehow he was short and his final payment is coming due. And because he used that extra $5,500 of his money to help me out, he is totally out of cash. I listen and stall. I remember flat out saying, I don't have any more money to throw at this deal. I was also out of cash. And it was end of month, and my mortgage was due on the 1st, and most of my bills were due around the 2nd to the 5th. I couldn't get him anything more. I would miss various financial obligation and bill payments, and that wasn't an option. I have never defaulted on a payment in my entire life, and I wasn't willing to give anything more. I say, sorry, Rick, go ask one of your other buddies that are in on the deal for the $2,500 who are short. And I'm getting annoyed, and I'm about to hang up on him and tell him to cancel my order and just give me my money back. He can tell that I'm annoyed. He tries to defuse the situation, saying, I get it, and no worries. He will sort it out. I am busy working, and my cell phone vibrates. At 6.03 p.m., he texts me saying he found $700, just needs $1,800 more. His text says, I got $700 more out of work, leaves me $1,800 short, checking to see if that's doable. If not, I'll just have to let these go. No worries. That text was read, but I didn't respond. I had a late 4 to 5 p.m. conference call with an account. Literally, as all of this nonsense for $1,800 is going on, I am completely focused and concentrating on closing one of the largest sales of my career. There was no way I was going to fuck this up. The client always comes first. My focus was on being accurate and detailed and closing on the deal. I call him later that night and tell him I am having to withdraw the money from my kid's bank account and I am not happy about it. I do not recall the time or place, but I did commit to getting him the last $1,800 and I will coordinate the drop-off tomorrow, March 29th. In return for helping him out and being such a stand-up guy and friend, he tells me now that he will get me a total of 95 of the 100 iPhones he had ordered. March 29th, 2018. It's a Thursday. This is the fourth and final drop-off of cash. I head to the bank and do the unthinkable. I withdraw $1,800 in cash from my kid's savings account. I still to this day get sick about doing that. I know it was wrong. Just know I have repaid in full that bridge loan of sorts. 
I text him at 9.10 a.m. and tell him I have the $1,800 and that we can meet. At first, we were going to meet in Lincolnshire at my office, but I needed to run to the doctor's office in Vernon Hills. The Northwestern Medical Center, ironically, is next to Uncle Julio's. We set up an appointment for 11.25 a.m. in the parking lot. I park in the far southeastern part of the lot, and he meets me there. He takes the last $1,800 on the east side of the Uncle Julio's Northwestern Medical Building parking lot. I tried my best to give Detective Bill and Assistant District Attorney Fred Day every detail of the deal as best I could. The reason I can recall so many things today is once the plan was hatched to take him down, in between talking to victims and juggling my job, I wrote out the complete account, which I now call the Dugo file, and added the dates and times as what was collected as a timestamp on my iPhone for both calls and texts. I still have the entire Ricky Dugo text string available on my phone. So you may be wondering, how could I get myself into this situation? I make zero excuses. I knew the deal could have a little risk. I mean, I'm thinking, what if someone carjacks Dugo or steals his car with my cash in the glove box? That sort of risk. You may be wondering how I could trust this guy and fall for this charade. Well, I didn't know it was a con. And if I did have any clue he was a con man, I obviously would have run the other way. What I can tell you is this. I knew Rick for about nine years before he approached me at the gym. We have many mutual connections and a sort of palship, pseudo-gym respect for each other. He knew I was successful and that I worked out hard at the gym and that I commanded gym street cred. I was well-connected at Export Fitness. I knew so many people, and they knew me. Rick waited nine years to pitch his scam. Like a tiger hunts his prey, he has been known to be patient prior to pouncing. I had no reason not to trust him. I mean, you don't think that someone that is your friend, buddy, pal, is going to fuck you over, especially when there isn't any bad blood between us. Another reason is that I wasn't solely focused on just this deal and the details of Rick's opportunities. There are multiple events in my life that are taking place at the same time. I was inundated with work, trying to close the largest deal in my career. This deal had been front and center since late 2017. There is no way I was going to let any single thing take my focus away from the task at hand. The sale at work was worth something to me, not only financially, but also professionally. Nothing was going to get in the way. There was no way I was going to fuck it all up because of Ricky Dugo and this deal. Sure, sure. Some of you may say you would have sniffed out the con at some point in the six days. But what I want you all to understand is that Rick doesn't come off like he is a couple fries short of a Happy Meal. 
He is so fast in his responses and lies and has the ability to overcome every objection in a split second. He is cool and calm at the onset of his pitch. In my opinion, he was well-versed in the art of using trigger words to captivate your attention. Exclusive, limited, guaranteed, easy, because you immediately more secret, discount, bonus. These are all words that have been proven to push and persuade people to buy into something. Dugo also digs his hooks in immediately after anyone goes into an opportunity with him. Whatever the initial deal is, no amount of money is ever enough for him to steal from you. He also uses fear as in the times he told me other people had backed out of this electronics deal, but the order was already placed, and he was on the hook for the amounts of money they had committed to. He transfers that idea of being responsible for his problems onto you, the victim. Dugo forces you to reconsider if it's worth helping him out with more money as he is helping you out by him giving you this opportunity. Quid pro quo, in a sense. As in, he has done you a favor by inviting you into this special, limited time, friends and family only opportunity. And he expects you to pony up, not if someone else had failed on their end of the bargain, but when they failed to come through. And from what happened to me and so many others of this exact same scam, he always came back to the wealth for more. Always. He always is in control of your emotions as well, which is a pretty messed up feeling. And it only gets worse after the deal is completed. In the days after he has successfully conned you and has your money, he is super swift in responding to calls and texts. He tells you how important you are and not to worry. Dugo is a master at backing you off the ledge when you are really in the shit and you are feeling physically sick that something is off. But there is yet another phenomenon, moreover tactic I believe he uses. In the year or so before he approaches me for the pitch, I happen to have a successful side hustle buying and refurbishing and reselling Apple iPhones and iPads. I'm using Facebook Marketplace, which in 2016-2018 had a very public presence. And what I mean is, is that if you post something for sale, that post not only shows up in the Facebook Marketplace, but it also showed up on your personal profile notifying your Facebook friends that you just listed something for sale. While Dugo didn't have an active Facebook profile, I believe he did his due diligence and looked at my profile from possibly someone else's profile. It sure seemed like he was targeting me by specifically throwing out Apple iPhones in that odd March 22nd encounter. I mean, sure, maybe Rick was just throwing out a dart in the dark and planting a seed. I guess it could have been totally random. I just know now how devious and calculating he is. Another item to note 
is that Dugo approaches me when I am out of my normal gym routine. I know the lunchtime export fitness crew like the back of my hand, but on March 22nd at 6 p.m., I am totally out of my element. This may sound odd, but I am on my own and alone without any familiar gym buddies, but completely surrounded in a packed gym. I'm not insulated by my traditional lunchtime gym family. I am on my own island in no man's land on that night. And Dugo looked around and saw that I was a lone wolf. And on this moment and on this day, it was his only opportunity to pounce. And pounce he did. Successfully scamming $18,700 in cash from me over a six-day period in March of 2018. Maybe he is the one laughing at me. Thank you for investing your time with us and listening to The Lone Wolf. Revealing each and every detail into the pitch and opportunity, Adam falls hook, line, and sinker to Ricky Dugo's tried-and-true electronics for a discount scam. Unbeknownst to Adam on the evening of March 22nd is that this particular con has paid Dugo out millions of dollars in cash over the past 40 years. If this story leaves you wanting to hear more, we ask that you tell your friends and family about it. Please help us spread the gospel about Ricky Dugo so he isn't able to do this ever again. On the next episode of To Catch a Con Man, Adam is brought back to the Lake County State's Attorney's Office and is asked to aid in their official investigation. Did he keep every piece of evidence? And if he did, would the team be able to find anything useful that may help in building the official case? How far was he willing to go to assist in taking Ricky Dugo down? There was always the chance of failure, and sometimes you have to fall down to find the strength to rise up and make another attempt.